Hello and welcome back to The Woods, a podcast about the mysterious, the legendary, and the plain weird because you never know what you're going to find in the woods. I am Shazne. And I'm Sandy. And today we have a very (laughs) special guest whom you've briefly met before. If you remember way back in the Christmas episode, she made a brief appearance. It was foretold, so... We would like to introduce you to... Uh, Do you want to introduce yourself? (laughs) I'm not the only one who laughs when you're nervous. Uh, Angela. (laughs) Yes, this is Angela, Sandy's younger sister. (laughs) So yeah, we have my little sister, Angela. Um, Angela, tell us about yourself. Uh, I'm in grade 10. Okay. All right, thanks. <laughs> Just think about yourself in grade 10. That what was, were you like? Yeah, that's probably what Angela's like, so. What was I like in grade 10? All grade 10s are the same, right? No. <laughs> How dare you have heard you it here from your old from grade, grade 10 grade 10. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, well, Sandy, how was your week? It was fine. No, I just had, like, the last two days of work were... A ride. Oh, yeah. We had three lovely women yell at us. Oh, great. About a... they. Okay, so they bought this product. They walked outside. They managed to shatter said product. They come back in and started yelling and shouting and swearing at my manager. Hmm. And then after they left, my manager was just, was just shaking. Like, it was awful. And I'm like, oh, my God. Retail. Because it's... The manager's fault that they shattered the object? Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, I hate people so much. I know. Also, I was talking to Addit from Undercover Coven, we were just talking about, like, how awful retail is. Yeah. So shout out. (laughs) Yeah. Because I had literally the day of our conversation, when we were talking about that, that happened. But yeah. How's your week? Um, it's been chill. It's spring break, so I've been... Not working in schools, just been uh, doing, you know, things like taxes and oh, fun. Uh, credit card stuff and, you Lovely. know, all the, the good adult stuff. Yeah. But tonight is Avengers Endgame. I do know that. Yes. And I'm heading there right after this, so I am nice. pumped. I am ready to cry. I should have worn waterproof mascara. Oh, well. <laughs> Angela, how was your week? It was good. I hung out with my friends yesterday. I went bowling. Oh, yeah, you went bowling. Yeah, was it was fun? fun. Are they listening? I'll tell them to, yeah. Okay. Hi, awesome. Angela's friends. Hi. <laughs> Listen to our other episodes. Please. Yeah. Okay, so how are we going to start this? Like, who's going to go first? Like, is Angela going to go first? And then we go? You know Do what? We... I was thinking about this on this way here. And okay. I kind of think that since Angela's is, like... The hype that we should go first so then you know people have to listen to our crappy stories before we get to angela's amazing story all right so we'll tell <laughs> angela some tales yeah and then you know just a little opener yeah dip to, our feet a bit to get us like an appetizer mood. let me open my notes okay so i am going to cover a hotel in california because we picked california stories yeah called Hotel del Coronado, but I just keep pronouncing it in Spanish, so I've been calling it Hotel del Coronado. So, (laughs) 
in the 1880s in the San Diego region, uh, like around that area, was apparently this hot spot for real estate. People just loved buying land there in the 1880s. Steve-O! <gasps> A realtor! <laughs> in California! Oh my god! And we're back at that again. (laughs) (laughs) So at the time, grand hotels were being built to bring attention to the barren landscape that is California. So they're just like, look at all this empty land. Let's buy it and build stuff on it. In 1885, five investors got together and all bought all of uh, Coronado and North Island, which was about 4,000 acres. And they bought all of that for... $110,000, which has the same buying power as $3 million today. Wow. Yes. So one of the investors was E.S. Babcock, and Mr. Babcock had this vision for his Grand Hotel, and I'll read you this quote. It will be built around a court, a garden of tropical trees, shrubs, and flowers. From the south end, the foyer should open to Gloretta Bay with verandas for rest and promenade. On the ocean corner, there should be a pavilion tower, and northward along the ocean, a colonnade terraced in grass to the beach. He went on and on, but like I didn't want to quote the whole thing. You get the (laughs) picture. He had this grand hotel in mind. Yes. So this hotel was opened in February of 1888, and before it opened, the news of it being built was spread across the country, so everyone around the U.S. knew about this hotel being built. But right as it was nearing completion, the Southern California land real estate boom collapsed. So suddenly people were leaving San Diego. Like, Mm -hmm. the population decreased quite a bit. So Babcock, (laughs) I wrote, Babcock was like, oh shit. Because he was losing money now. (laughs) So he then turned and borrowed money from Captain Charles T. Hind and John D. Spreckles. And they lent him $100,000, which is around $2,500,000 today. Spreckles. Yes, Spreckles. So yeah, a lot of money. Uh, Eventually, Spreckles ended up buying out Babcock because that was a lot of money, and his family retained ownership of the hotel until 1948. So, this hotel is said to be haunted, in case you thought I was telling you this random story and this random history about this hotel. I thought you were just really into hotel (laughs) real estate. Yeah. I'm kind of disappointed. Yeah, sorry, there's ghosts involved. (laughs) Well, one ghost to be, in fact. So the ghost who haunts this grand hotel in San Diego is the ghost of Kate Morgan. So Kate Morgan was 24 years old when she checked into the Hotel del uh, Coronado. It was Thanksgiving Day. She was alone, and employees claimed that she looked really unhappy. So apparently... Throughout her stay, she kept telling employees that she was waiting for a gentleman to show her, or to uh, to join her. I don't know if they were asking, hey, what's your deal? Or if she's like, a gentleman will be joining me soon. <laughs> Anyways, after five days of her waiting, uh, he didn't show up and she killed herself. I think I've heard this one before. Could be. This part of the story. Yeah. It sounds familiar. I mean, I feel like this is a reoccurring theme. That could be possible as well. I feel like it is. Mm-hmm. But anyways, after she killed herself, police couldn't find anything to identify her, so they didn't know who she was. So the description of Kate was telegraphed to police agencies all over the country. So because of this, newspapers started 
referring to Kate as the beautiful stranger. And after her identity was confirmed, it was found out that she was indeed married, but estranged from her husband. Hmm. So she was supposed to meet a lover at the hotel, but... Wait, what does estranged mean? Like, they weren't divorced. Like, separated, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So she was supposed to meet her lover. Her lover never showed up. She killed herself. Um, It was also revealed that Kate was employed as a maid in a wealthy Los Angeles home. Uh, From there, she took a train to the hotel, and passengers reported that a woman matching Kate's description had been arguing with a male companion who then deserted her, so he just left her on the train, I guess. And um, while Kate was in San Diego, she bought a handgun, and then after her death, a coroner confirmed that she had died from a self-inflicted gunshot. So was... The dude in the train, her husband? Was it her lover who just ditched her? Who knows? So since Kate's death, employees and guests have reported strange happenings around the hotel. However, most of these reports happen in Kate's room. Mm -hmm. Visitors claim to to experience flickering lights, a television that turns on and off by itself, Breezes that come out of nowhere, unexplainable scents and sounds, things moving around on their own, doors randomly opening and slamming shut, abrupt room temperature changes, and unexplained footsteps and voices. All of this happening in one room. So, a lot of people, when they go to make reservations, they ask for this room. Yeah. So, that waiting list is probably years long. We should go. I was thinking that. (laughs) So, Kate's ghost has also been seen in the hotel hallways and along the seashore. Another area where Kate likes hanging out is the gift shop. Employees Mm -hmm. and visitors see giftware randomly falling off the shelves. However, most, if not all, of the items will fall upright and remain unbroken. Oh, weird. Yeah. Hmm. Also, you can go on ghost tours. I actually looked it up. There's one tomorrow. You should head over there. (gasps) Oh, yeah. And then there's one the next day, and then the next day, and the next day. It's like this endless thing of ghost tours and it's all centered around kate okay let's go yeah we can stay there hang out in the gift shop want to come angela yeah sure okay (laughs) (laughs) so that's the hotel del coronado and where in california was it san diego Diego. oh yes nice Let's go! Okay. Great, we'll book flights right now. And while we are there in California, let's head over to the Battery Point Lighthouse. Yes. It's located off the coast of Crescent City, California, right on the Pacific Ocean. Wow. Yeah, it actually looks very nice. Like, I would totally go visit it. I mean, if I was a ghost, I would like to haunt someplace nice and beautiful. Yeah, right? Right on the ocean. Beautiful view. Warm weather, why not? Oh my god, Loki's going now. Oh, everyone, it's Loki's birthday. I forgot to oh, mention. Oh, it is. Happy birthday, Loki. He's in his birthday suit. Literally. He's, like, naked. Because <laughs> <laughs> Sandy took him to get a haircut. And... Uh, he, he's such a handsome boy. He Except is. I took him outside Hi. today and he got really cold. <laughs> oh, yeah, I believe it. It's not quite summer yet, buddy. I guess I could put, like, his little... um jack-o'-lantern sweater not yeah it's not halloween but hey we're spooky here all the time exactly oh you're a sweet boy 
Anyways. So the Battery Point light- Lighthouse was built in 1856 for $15,000 on a coast with some pretty harsh terrain to help the maritime trade, a crucial part of the economy in the 1800s. So, yeah, I was looking at pictures, and it's off the coast, so it's on, like, an island that's just built of, like, rock and grass. And there's also lots of other big rocks around, so it looks pretty hectic. Like, I would not want to drive a boat through there. <laughs> uh, a tall, two-story white granite building resembling a house with a red roof and a white brick tower atop where the important light lies within. Because, you know, it's a lighthouse, so it has light. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's a rather beautiful sight, um, especially for colonial times. So, yeah. Today it can be visited as a museum or it... And it remains operational as an aid in light for navigation. So it is still being used as a lighthouse? Yeah, just as the light. Like, okay. they don't really use it. They monitor it, but yeah. I think it's just as a light they always have okay. it going off. Um, it was decommissioned by the U.S. Coast Guard in 1965, which is okay. why I say I don't think they monitor it anymore, but they just have it on. It's kind of like in Saskatchewan, where we have a lighthouse. We do? Yeah. Where? In... <laughs> Even Angela's like, we do? I think it's Outlook. Let me quickly... Because I've been to Outlook. Do you remember no. the lighthouse there? There is... No. Wait. Probably Honda. Coshin. Coshin. I should know, because I drive through there literally, like, every weekend in the summer. Do you? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's on the way to my cabin. Yeah, that's so, what I figured. Yeah, Coshin has a lighthouse, so it's... I think it's over top of the Jackfish Lake. Okay. And it's a big hill, and then there's a big lighthouse on top. Yeah. So, for no reason, because it's over a lake. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know the purpose. It's probably just a tourist thing. But it's fun to walk up and go see. Like, you can walk up all these stairs and stuff. Yeah. So, Theophilus Magruder... I'm going to call him Theo if I ever have to mention his name again, because that's a weird name. <laughs> Theophilus Magruder was the lighthouse's first keeper, a socialite from D.C., whose parents were friends with James Madison, the fourth U.S. president. Wow. Ooh. It said it just said that they were friends with James Madison. I was like, hey, Google, who's James Madison? <laughs> you know, just because you said that, a bunch of phones I know, my be... phone just went off. Did it? No, I don't think mine did. <laughs> No, mine didn't. Wow. <laughs> Fucking phone, I need a new one. It's like that other episode. Yeah, well, we just kept going, hey, Google, hey, Google. Oh, my phone now went off. <laughs> and then, like, Megan texted us. She's like, my phone keeps going off. <laughs> That's funny. So, Theo had originally gone to Oregon. Is that how you say that place? Oregon? Oregon. Oregon. <laughs> Oregon. Oregon. <laughs> Oregon to search for gold, but ultimately served as the lighthouse keeper for three years until the state cut his salary from $1,000 a year to $600 a year in 1859. How much is that today? I don't know. Yeah, I need to look it up. That is a big cut, though. That's $400. Okay, there you go. All right, so Sandy just looked it up, and $1,000 in 1859 was about $28,000 today. So when they cut his pay from $1,000 to $600, that would be equivalent to $16,000 today. So So, that's how much it took off of his money? That's how much he's getting now. So they cut his paycheck in half, basically. Yeah, just Um, in half. That's crazy. I mean, I would hate that if they're like, hey, 
We're cutting so your paycheck in half. It went from just over minimum wage to less than minimum wage. <laughs> <laughs> in Saskatchewan, anyway. Sorry if your minimum wage is different. Um, but that isn't American, too. So, really, yeah. that is a lot of money here. Yeah. I could look that up, but I, I think uh, we've done We're good. Enough. We're good. Most of our listeners are American. They'll, they'll get it. <laughs> that is true. We got new states. Did you see that? Yeah. Awesome. Um, hi, everyone. Hi, welcome to the woods. I hope you stay a little while. Please. <laughs> so in 1946 to 1953, Wayne Hilland served as the keeper. He had guests one night, an elderly couple, when the woman slipped and broke both her wrists oh. at around 11 p.m. Pillard had to find a doctor who was brave enough to cross the coastal waters in a raft to get to the lighthouse. The raft leaked and left both Pillard and the doctor soaked. One other time, when he was taking his daughter to the mainland, the heavy winds picked up, causing large waves. He saved both himself and his daughter by boosting her and himself up onto a boulder away from the waves. There was a large storm in 1951 that did quite a bit of damage, and in 1964, several tsunamis hit the coast of Crescent City, killing seven people and destroying 29 blocks, 29 city blocks. But despite the monstrous storms, the lighthouse somehow survived. But some believe that it may be the ghost who haunts Battery Point Lighthouse that could have caused it to survive these awful storms. I agree. It's definitely the ghost. Of course. Yes. If the ghost wills it, it shall happen. So, a local college believes the lighthouse is accompanied by three ghosts, two adults and a child, but there's not evidence pointing to who these ghosts could possibly be, Mm. as, like, there's no one who reportedly, like, a family like that, or, like, two adults and a child, there's nobody who's died there or anything, so nobody really knows who they are. But some events that have happened in the lighthouse include a rocking chair that rocks by itself. Typical. Classic. <laughs> Boots walking up and down the stairs all hours of the day, especially during this, during storms. And an unknown present who likes to prank visitors by tapping on their shoulders. Jerry Tugel, the last curator, claimed something would move his slippers that he kept at his bedside. So he would, like, have them on the floor so when he, like, gets out of bed, they would be right there, perfectly ready to go. But they would, like, flip it around so that he couldn't (laughs) slip his feet inside the slippers. Me as a ghost. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. His wife claims that she didn't do it, but, like, it was definitely the ghost, so. I mean, that'd be me as a wife. Why? Yeah. <laughs> True. You as a wife and as a ghost. Yes. Alive Both. or dead, you would do that. Uh, Jerry and his wife had several cats, all of whom deeply were deeply disturbed by something in the lighthouse. There was rooms they refused to enter or would completely avoid walking on the floor of. So they would just, like, go in the room, but they would stay on the furniture. They would avoid the floor at all costs. Oh, I, I just imagine, I'm like, how? I just imagine them, like, hopping. I <laughs> Just floating. Yeah, I was like, how does that work? <laughs> they just fly through the The floor is lava. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. One night, Jerry and his wife heard footsteps, loud enough that they had to go and investigate, expecting to see an intruder in the house. But it was a ghost. Definitely. No one was there. But what they had found instead was that the light had gone out. You know, Gasp. the big giant light that 
is meant to like save lives from crashing into rocks and dying. Yeah, that light. Yeah, it went out, and the alarm that's supposed to go off when it goes out didn't go off. <laughs> it was a ghost. So this could have been a major catastrophe, but um, the ghost surprisingly saved the day. Yay! Mm-hmm. Helpful ghost. Yeah, so if you were willing, go give it a venture during its tour season from April to September. It's been heard that most of the paranormal occurrences happen during the tours. So we should definitely go. We should. Oh my god, look at So wait, no one, ghosts. like, they don't know who the ghosts are? No, no. they they can't figure it out, like, who it could I mean, what if it was, like, to. okay, no one died there, but what if it was just a ghost that attached itself yeah, to the Yeah, that's my thought. And then was just like, this place is nice, and just stayed there. Yeah. That's kind of what I thought, too. And, like, the investigation was conducted in the 60s by the college who figured out that it was, like, too adult to the kid. Um, so it could have very well been, like, a curator or somebody beforehand just coming back. Or it could have been, it could like, be. like two, two of them, maybe, that are there. They just know it's two adults and a kid, so who knows? Yeah. It could have been a family that attached itself to him for what reason? I don't know. Mm-hmm. They just like to play pranks. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, there's two spooky ghost stories from California. Now, we'll hand The off. moment we've all been yes. waiting for. We'll hand it off to Angela. We are both so excited mm-hmm. to hear your story. We have been anticipating this for... This is our 30th episode. We've been talking about this. For the last 30 episodes. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so do we just start? Yeah, just like le- lead it however you want. Mm-hmm. Um, you can talk about your love for this genre. So Angela, what's like, <laughs> a, like what are you like a nerd about? Like what's your, okay, what's your okay, thing? Okay. What's your useless information that will get you absolutely nowhere in life that what? you love? <laughs> okay, so uh, <laughs> it's just kind of weird not talking to anyone. Okay. Okay, you okay. okay. I am doing, I'm not doing a story about ghosts, but I'm doing an unsolved mystery about the uh, Zodiac Killer. Yes. Um, yes. Do you want to tell us why? Uh, or are you going to wait till the end? Well, I think, okay, the reason why is because this is, the Zodiac Killer is my favorite serial killer, and I know some people find that kind of weird that, that I have a ser- like a favorite serial killer. But Most I of think, the people who listen to us have favorite serials. It's okay. I think that is just interesting, you know. Um, and I am going to become a homicide detective, and mm. I will figure this thing out. We all have the utmost faith in you. Yeah. Okay, so I'll just start, I guess. Um, so the Zodiac Killer was ba- uh, is a serial killer who. Who I guess haunted the streets of San Francisco, California, and he claimed to have killed five people throughout the late 1960s and the early 1970s. Um, um, well, he he was like, um, like, acute yeah, accused of killing five people, but he claimed to have killed like over 30 people, but 
like the police didn't find any other connections to other murders or like kidnappings that happened at that time, and they didn't connect it to the Zodiac. So killer. they could only pinpoint him to five. To five, but he yeah. claims it was over. But 30. he claimed it was over, yeah. over thirty. Thoughts. Um. um so. Yeah. Um. So the crime started on December twentieth, nineteen sixty-eight, when David Fairday and Betty Lou Jansen were shot and killed on Lake Kerman Road, um, and this would have been marked as the first attack from the Zodiac. Um, there were no, survi- no survivors in this attack. They were both found dead on th- at the scene. And the second attack was on July 4th, 1969. Um, it was Michael Majo and Darlene Farron. They were shot in Blue Rock Spring, Vallejo, California. And Michael Majo survives, and Farron was found dead at the scene. Majo had face-to-face contact with the Zodiac killer and described him as a heavyset man, about five foot eight, possibly around 195 to 200 pounds, with short curly brown hair. Um, so, and the third attack was on September 27th, 1969. Brian Hartnell and Cecilia, Cecilia Shepard um, were the third pair of victims that had faced the attack from the Zodiac Killer, but only Hartnell would survive, and he also had contact with the killer and described him as a five foot eight. Five foot eight to six feet tall, heavy set, heavy set man, um, about two hundred twenty-five to two hundred fifty pounds, dark brown hair, which is kind of similar to the first, like to the the last one. Um, and the last killing from the Zodiac was on October eleventh, nineteen sixty-nine, when cab driver Paul Stein was shot and left for dead. There were there was witnesses, and they described him. They described a man getting out of the cab as a white male. 25 to 30 years old, reddish-brown crew cut with heavy rimmed glasses, about 5 foot 8, and 190 to 200 pounds, and the police arrived at the scene and immediately suspected the killer to be an African-American male. Wow. (laughs) And, oh my god, this gets me so mad all the time whenever I talk about this, because, okay. Tell us. Okay, so, the officers that were at the scene... They saw a man walk by the the scene. He was about the the officer described him about five foot ten to um, one hundred seventy pounds, around forty years old, with glasses, with red brownish hair, and with the crew cut. So it was like it was very similar to the other witnesses like description, but like the police didn't care because they were looking for the African American male. So like they just came up with that, like they pulled it out of their ass. They, like yeah, like <laughs> right when they got there, like oh. Racism. And it's, this is what happened. Oh, it gets oh me so God. annoyed. And um, so yeah, since they already suspected someone else, they didn't question the guy, which is so stupid. Like even Did if you they imagine suspected, they could have like caught him. Yeah, like even they if they even if black. they suspected like this African American guy, they should have like questioned anyone around the scene. Yeah. Anyways, you hear that, police people? You um, need to listen to Angela. She knows what she's talking when about. When she's in the force, she's going to walk all over you. <laughs> yeah, watch out. She's um, coming. <laughs> so, the Zodiac also wrote letters to San- the San Francisco Chronicle and the Examiner. And the Zodiac wrote a letter to the San Francisco Examiner saying how foolish the police at the scene were for not questioning him. So, the Zodiac himself basically admitted that he walked right by the scene. 
but the police were so wow. stupid that he didn't even question them. I mean, I feel like if I had gotten away with something, I'd also be like, ha-ha, like, losers. Yeah. So... so, anyways, um, throughout the months of the attacks, the evidence and the descriptions, like, of each scene, or, like, killing, I guess, the, the evidence and the descriptions did not really go together. So this left the police and investigators questioning if there were multiple killers claiming to be the Zodiac or just copycats following mm-hmm. one throughout the other throughout the months. So this goes into the theories Ooh. on who the Zodiac killer is. Um, so the first theory is Earl Van Best Jr. And th- I guess this theory is a more popular one, but, like, it doesn't have as much evidence, like, well, going towards it. Well, tell us about this man. Um, so, Earl Van Bench Jr.'s own son suspected him to be the murderer, and the evidence he claimed supported this theory is that, uh, he had a very strong, res- like, his dad had a very strong resemblance to the Zodiac Wanted poster on the My Name Is coded letter the Zodiac had sent to the San Francisco Examiner and Chronicle. So, the Zodiac had sent a letter with um it was a coded letter and a couple ended up finding out like what it said oh yeah but at the very end it had like a bunch of like symbols and letters that they couldn't figure out if it was like the amount of like letters in his name or like if the letters in the (sighs) in the um in like the code i guess spelt out his name okay right but the so like the the number of symbols match the number the, of letters no okay the number okay. of like the characters yeah. in the code matched the amount of characters in earl van best jr's name okay oh, okay yeah, yeah. um um so yeah he he had the letter and he had the strong resemblance um but this it's like not as strong as like the other ones because it just some people find it as just a coincidence um but the next theory is a really strong theory it's on arthur lee allen as a zodiac and he was suspected by robert graysmith and robert graysmith was working at the examiner at the time of the crime and became very invested in the case and later he pieced together the evidence that supports his theory so on the day of the of the september 27th murder he told his family he was going to lake berryessa which was where the murder happened and later that day he came home covered in blood and with a bloody knife in his back pocket um and before the killer gave like before the zodiac killer gave himself the title like the zodiac um like arthur would also want to go back go by like the zodiac why i don't know like i i I don't know so okay the zodiac killer gave himself that name the the zodiac like he gave himself that name like the zodiac but before, like, the whole Zodiac thing was happening, like, his friends and his family members knew that Arthur Yan would want to be called Zodiac. Why? Wow. Was he an astrologer? So he went to a lake. He went to the lake. He came back home covered in blood. Oh, he definitely didn't murder anyone. <laughs> <laughs> and with with a with the knife in his back pocket. Nah, classic. <laughs> so like, yeah. 
<laughs> He's not a suspect um, at all. <laughs> and the last strong piece of evidence support evidence supporting this theory is when Michael Majo was shown a picture, like a picture lineup of who he thought stabbed him. Um, he picked the picture of Arthur Lee Allen. Gasp. So why couldn't they convict him or anything? I don't know. So they, I don't don't have, they probably didn't have enough well, evidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, the, the investigators did not have enough evidence. Uh, they needed to make the arrest for Arthur Lee Allen. Um, but yeah. Is that all the theories? No, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there was... There's a last one. Um, Wait, are you reading off of an essay you wrote for school? Yeah. <laughs> I just saw the bibliography at the bottom, and I was like, wow, you went into this, and then I realized it was an essay. I thought you knew that. No, I thought thought she meant- I said in the beginning. Well, I thought when you said essay, I thought you meant you just wrote down these notes. No, no. I mean, like, why write it down again when I already have, like, You know what? I I respect that. So there's two more theories- Well, kind of two more theories. Um, And the next one is on um, Kane K- I forget his last name. Um- But this one, I guess, also has a lot of strong evidence since there was no, like, there was one survivor. And so, okay. So this woman and her child, or like her kid, were hitchhiking at the side of a highway because their car broke down. So and then a, like, stranger picked them up and drove them, like, around. But they didn't leave them where they needed to go. Um, so then later the driver told the, the mother, like the girl that was hitchhiking, that he was going to kill her and that like he was a Zodiac or whatever. Um, well no, not that he was a Zodiac, but that he was going to kill her. So, and then she ended up making, like, she ended up jumping out the car and running through a field. With her baby. With her baby, yeah. And then the, um, the Zodiac ended up writing a letter to the San Francisco Chronicle and Examiner saying that they had a very interesting situation with a woman and her baby. So, basically saying that, the, like, what the lady had gone through, it was, like, the Zodiac who had done that. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, um, the, the lady was shown another picture lineup of who he, like, she thought, like, had... I guess kidnapped her almost, and she picked out like Kane K, which then could have been the Zodiac killer because like he had written the letter and he had gone through that. I guess you know what I mean. I think so. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I'm not very good at explaining things. You're doing great. <laughs> so the last theory, it's like kind of not really a theory, but, but a lot talk of about it anyway. But a lot of people ex- like suspect. That Ted Cruz We want answers! (laughs) Only because, like, he does have, like, kind of a strong resemblance to the the Zodiac Wanted poster. But he wasn't even born at the time, so it doesn't really make sense. He found a way. He's hiding things. I'm on to you, Ted. I like that meme of, like, (laughs) Ted Cruz on a date, and then it's, like, the girl, so what's your Zodiac sign? Ted, nervously, my what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so... But that one's, like, not Okay, well, well, tell us about what, where do you fall? Okay, so I think, I feel like it was all of them. It was Earl Van Best Jr., it was Arthur Lee Allen, and then it was this Kane K guy. Mm -hmm. But I think it was Arthur, Arthur Lee Allen for the first, like, few ones, because he matches the, like, the strong build, 
and he matches like the you know the heavy set or whatever and then and plus he doesn't match the the wanted poster mm-hmm. that was described at the Paul Stein killing and then I feel like Earl Van Best Jr. did the Paul Stein killing because like the police officer and the witness said like that he had glasses and that he had a crew cut and like he didn't also just like match the description of the heavy set so I feel like it would make most sense and then the last one the Kane K one because that one's like you know kind of obvious yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and so I think it was all of them because it wouldn't make sense if it was just one of them Right, because they don't match the descriptions. So or were they copycat killers? Do you think? I think so. I feel like or were they in cahoots? Could you imagine? <laughs> I think it, like the original Zodiac was the um, was Arthur Lee Allen, but I think that the other ones just kind of copied him. I guess. Do you think he killed more than thirty people? I don't know. Well, because like, don't some serial killers lie about how many people they oh, killed? Yeah. Yeah. So. I don't know. Maybe. They use it as, like, especially ones who are caught, they use it as le- leverage against, like, the yeah. police. Like, they'll say, oh, Haha, you more. don't even know, yeah. 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 And, like, if the Zodiac would have killed more people, they probably would have done it in the same way. That is true. Mm-hmm. Especially if they're copycat killers. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So this was in the 60s? Yeah, because if it was, like, if, if the, um... If, like, the the copycat people already copied the, the, the original one, they, they're they obviously not creative, creative enough to, like, Whoa, get find, find their own way of killing people, do you know what I mean? Not even original. <laughs> like, okay, but you know what I mean, right? <laughs> wow. You tell, tell our lovely listeners about your Zodiac project. Oh, right. So... I, for English class, we had to do a Mysteries of Life project. Mysteries of Life? Um, and I did the Zodiac Killer. Yeah. Oh, um, Mystery of Life. We all go through it. Yeah. So, I did Zodiac Killer. I had to present, like, a PowerPoint. I think I did pretty good. Yeah. But, and then, oh my god, my teacher. Okay. So, I had to, Tell like, to do, I, I had to, like, write an essay, and I thought it was pretty good. And, like, I got my essay back and he said that I didn't match the like the rubric but I did because like he told me to write like the history why like I pick the the, the mystery of life I guess and the I like what and like life. what people do in the present day <laughs> so for the present day I wrote down the theories because that's what people believe like now yeah. right and for the history I did like, like what the zodiac was all about and like who he killed right mm-hmm. and then and then I did, like, why I was interested in the topic. And he gave me a bad mark on it. You should go and, and yell like, at him. And, like, I was really yeah. mad. You know, when I you're older, I did really good. when you're a homicide detective, your side hustle should be a conspiracy theorist. Yes. <laughs> you should write books. <laughs> but, yeah. Anyways, when you're older and you are a homicide detective, you can, like, show that to your teacher and be like, Ha, you <laughs> thought. Oh, and then when you, when you solve the Zodiac case and somebody is possibly convicted you can like i'd like to, to thank him. all my haters looking at you yeah <laughs> grade yeah. 10 english teacher <laughs> but whatever i redid the Good essay one. though <laughs> you redid did it? it like yeah did he mark it again i i don't know if he had if he marked it yet oh, okay but 
Oh, so you can have... Oh, hopefully he does. Um, there was this other essay you did. Was it last year? I know it was this year, last semester. Jack the Ripper. No, not oh. that one. But you did one where you were supposed to be talking about, what was it, social norms? And you were talking about murder? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember. That was last year. Yeah, she came to me and she's like, ugh, my substitute teacher hated my topic. <laughs> and I was like, why? <laughs> Well, I did not like well, that substitute well, teacher. because no, you came up to me, and then I was like, why didn't, why didn't he like it? It's like, because, like, he thought it, my essay was going to be about, like, the social norm of women not being able to shave their heads, but really, it's about murder. Like, yeah, I t- <laughs> like, he, he came up to me, and he was really judgmental about it, and he's like, so, like, you think that, like, women shouldn't be able to shave their heads? I'm like, like, no, like, they can do whatever they want with I'm their hair. I'm talking about murder! Like, I'm, I'm <laughs> just talking about, like, it's not normal. To like murder people. Like, <laughs> like, where did he come up with that comparison? That's so funny. Uh, I don't have time for your childish social norms. I'm wow. here to talk about murder and true crime. I'm like the opposite. I see like my students like looking up like the Ken and Barbie killer, and I'm like, oh, did you listen to this podcast about that? <laughs> but yeah, fun. Oh, I forgot to mention this at the beginning, but I really want to talk about it. I went to see La Llorona. Oh, yeah. How was it? Oh, my God. Let me tell you. I, okay, it was not the scariest movie I've ever seen. However, the jump scares were pretty good, and I was pretty scared. But I think, I don't even know how to explain it. I think it's just because that is a legend I grew up with, and I've always been scared of said legend. Mm -hmm. So it opens up with this Mexican lullaby that my grandma used to sing to me. And I was like, you can't fool me using this lullaby for your sadistic games. Yeah. But, like, I don't know, every scene she was in, I'm like, oh, that is literally my worst nightmare. And then I saw the preview for the new Chucky movie. Oh, yeah. I, I reverted back to a child stage when I saw that, and I was terrified. Oh, man. We gotta see it. Oh, I'm gonna go see it. <laughs> yeah. I was just, like, I was with my aunt, and I was like, get that stupid yeah. doll away from my face. I haven't gone to a theater to see a scary movie in years. Like, my aunt and I went to VIP and we went ham. We bought, like, two medium popcorn and some mini donuts and a brunny fudge sundae and oh, man, sangrias. Oh, that's tonight for Endgame. <laughs> it was fun. And it was a Monday, so there was only, like, four other people in the theater oh, with that's, us. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd go see it again. So if you guys want to go see it. I'll I went to go again. see okay. Us with my friend. Oh, yeah. Oh, how was I want to see it. It was a good movie. Is it as good as Get Out? Yeah, I think so. I think you just have to watch it again. Because it made, like, Get Out, there was a lot of, like, hidden messages. Like, once you see it again, you'd understand it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, wait, is Us a sequel to Get Out? No. No? Okay. Not really. Like, I saw this, like, right when I got home, I saw this video, ex- like, explaining the ending on um. Oh yeah. On Us. And it said that it had something to do with it, but I don't think it did. No, maybe I'll rewatch Get Out, and I should go watch Us. Um, what other... Thing did I watch? Oh, I feel like I watched something. I just don't remember what it was. Yeah, I don't. Know. Oh, right the the trailer to Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm excited I, I for haven't that. seen the trailer yet, but it's all right. It kind of you know the Goosebumps movie, like the most recent oh, one, yeah. where all like the stories come to life. It's basically that, except a little darker. Scary. Yeah, Yay. yeah. I'm excited for oh, that one too. There's some that. good horror um Yeah, this, this is the year of horror movies. Yes. Or the new Annabelle movie, that trailer looked good. I haven't seen the trailer for that one either. 
<laughs> it was, uh, like, so it takes place in Ed and Lorraine Warren's house, and their kid brings over a friend, and the friend really wants to see, like, their spooky room with all the cursed objects. So she breaks in, and she touches everything. Oh, no. So she unleashes every- I know. Like, this could have all oh, been avoided. Okay. That sounds interesting. Did you hear- I sent it to you, uh, Lorraine died? Yeah, I did hear she that. passed away. died. You know, because La Llorona took, or takes place in the Conjuring universe, mm. I was really, I was like, man, I hope Ed and Lorraine Warren don't make an appearance. And they didn't, and I was really happy about it, because they kept it all very Mexican-rooted. That's good. So, so, like, the person to help them fight La Llorona was a curandero, which is a Mexican faith healer. Mm. Cool. So I was really happy about that, because, like, they did go to the church, and they're like, oh, you can do this thing. And I was like, no, I don't want Ed and Lorraine Warren to crash this party yeah and, like they didn't so that's good okay. but annabelle did have a cameo so look oh, out for that creepy yeah all right well thanks for joining yeah. us this week angela yeah thank we you. haven't anticipated this yeah. do you want to tell our listeners to follow us on instagram um the woods podcast yeah you should follow them at the, at the woods podcast and also follow me okay what's your mind's Insta- angela dot mel Okay. Go follow it. With a J, right? With a, is oh, your name G. spelled with a J? Like, with her a name G. is spelled with a J, but, but it's her, with a G. Yeah, but oh, her Instagram yeah. name is okay, with, with a G. Okay, with a G. Angela.mel. Yes. Hit her up. Talk mm-hmm. about serial killers and murder and ghost. She's into that. Not really ghosts. I think she's more serial killers. She's more murder. Murder. <laughs> Whereas more, I'm, I'm more into what happens after the murder. But, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh... Yeah, yeah, and uh, if you have any suggestions for future episodes, you can always email us at thewoodspodcast at gmail.com. Tweet us at woodspodcast. We are trying to be more active on there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think we I Like, think all we our all friends right. are on there. They're all, like, always Shout tweeting Shout out to stuff all our friends. We get so many notifications, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't look at this right now, and I forget about it. I know. And then I go and look, and I'm like, I don't even know what this is about anymore. <laughs> oh, also, at Kills and Chills, we're waiting for those t-shirts. Yes, Kills and Chills. <laughs> yep. Thanks to everybody who listens to us. Y'all rock. Yeah, thanks Keep- to Jason Shaw. Jason Shaw for our theme, Running Waters. Keep it spooky. We'll see you next time. Don't get killed. Bye. Bye.